We need to normalize saying hi. My name's Hunter, and I have diarrhea today. Welcome back to Privy. Privy is a podcast about bathrooms, recorded from my home bathroom. I'm your host, Hunter Hoover, and I love bathrooms. Um, at the day of recording, it is the first day of the fall rains. Uh, I want you to know, and this is, I promise you, this is the first time I've said this today, but I, I mowed my lawn at the exact right time. I, I helped a, a buddy and, and former guest of the show, friend of the show, Chris Luckman, uh, with, with a bunch of wood (laughs) and, uh, and then got home and I'm already gross and I'm looking at my lawn and I'm going, I'm doing it. Hit that lawn, and two hours later, the rain comes. It's just, it makes you feel like a master of time when that happens. It feels so good. It, it's as if everything is right in the world when that happens. Also, I want to share, uh, here in a few weeks, I'm going to be stepping back into the custodial role. So, uh, stay tuned. Hopefully, there's not, you know... I'm only going to be doing it for a couple weeks. I'm filling in for uh, Michael Wall. And, uh, you know, I, I'm only stepping in for a little bit. So I I, I doubt that there's going to be an opportunity to see anything that terribly randy during that amount of time. Um, but we'll see. You, you know, like, it, but it almost feels like, you know, in those superhero movies, whenever they have the, the superhero that retires and... And then in the one episode, he like comes back in, like gets called out of the thing. That's how it, this feels. Like Michael's, he's really, he's very concerned that I'm going to put the recycling bin in the right spot for pickup day. Um, and so he, he, it'll be fine. Also, lots of, lots of non-bathroom related updates for you. I, couple things number one pumpkin spice madness has descended on us and i don't want to get into too much detail but if you have not already consumed the pumpkin spice frosty you need to get yourself to wendy's and go ahead and get you one of those slurp that down uh but it is the most white girl thing i have done is i'm definitely three or four uh pumpkin spice frosties in this season also, right here at the top, and I promise, this is probably going to be our last tangent. Like, it's fixing to be spoop key season here on the pod. And what that means for you is coming up, you're going to hear some spoop key episodes. But it also means that it's fixing to be twist season. Now, as much as it has nothing to do with toilets, I need to explain twist season. This is my... This is my soapbox, if you will, to explain to you twist season. So, twist season runs, for lack of a better way of saying it, from October 1st to November 1st. Um, And it culminates in Halloween Day, wherein we see if if truly the the efforts of the twist season have paid off. Um, Twist season is where we push for justice for the twist. Twist. Uh, during twist season, please use hashtag justice for the twist. Um, and what this is, is it is an endeavor to get 
the song incorrectly named The Monster Mash to be renamed Transylvania Twist. Now, this injustice is brought to us by the song itself, wherein the Crypt Keeper wakes up from his slumber and finds out that his original Transylvania Twist has been ripped from him and credited to another as the Monster Mash. So, to have justice for the twist, it is a month-long endeavor to push for people to realize, one, that it is the Transylvania Twist, and two, call for the correct naming and reference to the song as the Transylvania Twist. I would like also to note here that from henceforth and forevermore, the Monster Mash will refer only to the General Mills monster serial, wherein all the monsters are, quote, mashed together to form a party in your mouth, if you will. But it, we're not there yet. We have a few days at the point of this episode's release. Uh, we're staring at about a week from uh, twist season. So everybody hold on. Don't get your uh, jumbles in a twist. <laughs> But summer has been a time of hands-on learning for us here at Privy. We've done a lot of hands-on learning. We've done on-location recording and lifelong change. <laughs> Stay tuned. But, but now it's fall. At the point of recording this, it is the first day of fall. And it's time to talk about 400-year-old butt-washing technology. My wife has has brought me the most bodacious sized hot cocoa. I I'm gonna go ahead and take a picture of this. Uh, if you would like to see it, check out the the Privy Cast social. Um, but it's just I mean it's just a monster of a. It's it's really quite a bowl of hot cocoa. Like at this point, we're talking bowls of hot cocoa. I say as I lean away from the mic to take the picture. Today on Privy, we're gonna talk about bidets. And in the 1400s, the French would ride bidets. I know what I said. Bidets were used and and outdoors in the pasture. Bidets would often be made into a, a fake play structure for small children. You might stick a, a, a bidet uh, on the end of a pole and pretend to ride him around in the field. One might say they watched the television show My Little Bidet. Bidets, originally, were not butt-washing sprayers as we know and love today. In times past, hygiene was much less important. People would bathe often once a week if they were lucky, if even this often. It was a smelly world, and we've talked about that smelly world at length here on the show. I'm trying to imagine 16th century teen stank. I'm back to work at the high school, and I have gotten to um, feast my nostrils, if you will, on the just abysmal teen stank that is the end of summer uh, armpit sweat that they bring to my classroom. It, it's it's just very ripe. Um, like modern day teen stank is pretty ferocious, but if the expectation of teens in the 16th, 17th century and earlier, is to bathe but once a week, if less than that, probably bathing less. Like, 
you tell a teen to bathe every day, they're going to bathe less than that. That's just kind of how it goes. Unless, you know what? Romance is the thing that gets teens clean. They start to want to impress some lady or some little guy, and they're like, I better make my armpits not smell like a dumpster. And then they use that that Axe body spray. They just hose that stuff down. That's a middle school thing. They've figured that out for the most part by high school, I think. But if everyone is bathing less often, the reality is, is the world is going to be a stinkier place. That's just facts. Human people have zones on their body that tend to be concentrated stink pot spots, pits, and crevices. They're like little stink hiding spots. It's like, it, it's like the stink is playing hide-and-go-seek in your nethers and your armpits. Armpit, classic. In between the toes, of course, but apparently the private zone was a real stink problem in 1415 and 1600s France. In the 1600s, the French came up with a stool. You would straddle and and take a bowl of water and wash your downstairs while you sat straddling this stool. You straddle the pony and you scrub your nethers. Hence, they used to ride bidets, which is the French word for pony, as they straddled them to wash their fiddly bits. This is where the name for bidet comes from. It is for the term of a pony or a small horse because these early bidets were like small horse-looking contraptions you would straddle to wash yourself. In my brain, I don't know, I'm thinking of like one of these wood rocking horses or like saw horses, like a rocking horse that you'd have like for a little kid or like a saw horse that you would do some like carpentry work upon. And you just sit just spready, spread eagle on this bad boy and just wash your downstairs. Really get up in there. Now, I don't, I don't know if they had some sort of stretching and, and flexibility problem that they had to sit across this thing to properly wash their no-no zone. But, like, it seems excessive. What's fascinating is we don't know who invented the bidet, but we know it's French. Wee oui, wee oui, monsieur. I had to. I had to. I can't. We can't talk about Frenchmen without saying wee oui, wee oui, monsieur. It's almost like we're contractually obligated to do so. The earliest mention of a bidet is in 1710 in a French dictionary. And while they're not sure, many credit French furniture maker Christopher de Rosier for creating the first bidets. It is noted, the device was primarily used by the aristocracy to stay clean in between baths. Over time, having a bidet became a status symbol, and I would argue that in some ways it can be thought of as this today. Imagine you go over to someone's house and they display this wooden rocking horse type thing with a bowl under it. And you're like, wowie zowie. How am I going to keep up with the Joneses? Look, did you see? Did you see their nether washing station? It's so good. The bidet took a while to catch on. It, It remained in little to no use until about 1726. 
During this early period, in France, the bidet did become associated with going to the bathroom, more so than it originally was. Prior trials of the bidet included, as noted, a way to clean yourself, but they also viewed it as a contraceptive. You do the deed, you wash your, you, you bidet yourself, and you won't get pregnant. Not how it works. Trial and error, you know. You know, we, eventually we're going to get these things right. That's what you got to hear. While the bidet is French, the first mention of it in writing outside of that French dictionary is in 1726 in Italy. With this mention, we can see how words about this device began to spread. And it isn't until the mid-1700s that the addition of something called the bidet syringe appeared. Now, generally speaking, a syringe needs to stay very far away from anything that's going near my digit, or my Borgholio. But this bidet syringe was a small device attached to a hand pump that would allow the water to be sprayed upward, directing the flow of traffic, if you will, into your brown zone of destiny. And it should be noted, the bidet zone, or the clamshell, you know, or the, the bidet at this point in history is still used primarily in the bedroom. That's right, bedroom, not bathroom, bedroom. This is a bedroom technology. The idea being, you skeet your stink into the chamber pot, pass that to the piss boy, more on what he does with it next week, because there's a step in there that some people went to, and then you straddle your bidet, spray the nethers, new syringe, coming soon to a home pony straddle near you, and you are fresh as a spring daisy, like, maybe one next to a pigsty, all in your bedroom. It's wild. You know, the bidet spray, the idea that you have this essentially medieval super soaker designed to super soaker your bornhole, and and this is a device that we said, yeah, let's stick it in the bedroom. I think we needed another pass at this. Like, I just think we needed one more pass to make sure that this is where we wanted to go with it. Like, it just gets a significant amount of spray. If you know what I'm saying. The orange vanilla polar seltzer is winning it again. Had one in the shower today. Um, as I said, you know, we, we, hauled, we hauled a significant amount of wood. And... There's something about just that just that hot shower after just a good, honest afternoon's work. But eventually the bidet did move its way out of the bedroom. Thank God. Um, I, I don't want... I, I'm so glad that it did. I, I don't know if I could tolerate if, if the bidet was a bedroom technology. It's just, it's just not right. Like... I do everything I can to keep as many liquids as I can out of the bedroom. Just bodily, non-bodily, non-edible, all of them. The liquids don't generally need to even be in the bedroom. The first mention of a bidet in the bathroom is from Maria Carolina of Austria, we've moved again, who was the queen of Naples. She asked for a bidet to be installed in her bathroom in the royal palace 
in the early 1700s. Now, it should be noted, she was kind of viewed as, like, weird for doing this. Like, like it being in the bathroom eventually did catch on. But at first, they were like, what in the flipping heck are you doing? You don't put that in the bathroom. That's bedroom activities. I'm sure Miss Carolina added the spray-on attachment and hand pump when it became a thing. I like to think that these early bidets, which were, I think, pretty big. I think they were straddling something pretty hefty. Check out Privy's socials. I think we'll find we'll have some pictures of this in there. But but I like to think that they are kind of like these modern cars where you can add the like fancy attachments and heated seats. Ooh, heated seat bidet. Stay tuned. Um, bidets were technically portable. And in one case, somewhat famous, and I, I will speak at a future date, but I will share my wife, my wife has purchased me a portable bidet, and it's pretty nifty. Um, now, it definitely looks like a suggestible, a toy. Anyway, it doesn't look like it should be put anywhere near your backside. Um, but it, it gets the job. Like, it does hose it down back there. You know what I'm saying? Like, But they were technically portable. And in one case... The bidet became somewhat infamous. Napoleon Bonaparte. Bonaparte. <laughs> More like um, French military commander and leader rose to prominence in the French Revolution. Napoleon led a number of campaigns against European powers after the French Revolution, during which, and during these campaigns, it is estimated that three to six million people died. Napoleon was a military leader. He traveled with one of his favorite things, and every time I think of him, I imagine Napoleon Dynamite dressed up as Napoleon Bonaparte. But he was a military leader, and he traveled with one of his favorite things. Napoleon had a silver bidet. Imagine the front lines. They, they go into the tent to talk to the commander about tomorrow, the cool breeze of the autumn air is just brisk on their nostrils as they wake up. We got to go talk to Napoleon before we go out to campaign. And they go in to talk about tomorrow's conflict. And here's Napoleon, stout little guy that he was, sitting astride his silver bull horse combo thing. What a sight. Napoleon took his bidet on all his battles and campaigns. And before he died, he put in his will what to do with this device. And I want to read briefly from Napoleon Bonaparte's last will and testament. In the section, he describes what they should do with his silver-lined bidet. The will says, quote, The small gold clock, which is now in my bedchamber, my hand-washing stand and its water jug, my night tables, those used in France, and my silver gilt bidet, he leaves to you, his son. Here you go, son. Here's, I broke it in for you. Spread far and wide the use of the bidet. Perhaps the most famous bidet was passed on in a will. And 
the, the use of the bidet became even more widespread as time went on. It moved beyond Europe into China and other parts of the, the uh, Asian world. The bidet continued to be adapted and change hand-operation, foot-operated pumps to control the water, heat, and cooling. So much so that it wasn't until the 1900s, with updates to plumbing and bathroom fixtures, that the bidet moved from the bedroom to the bathroom. I would argue where it should have been the whole time. It took far too long. Like, it's, t it's a terrifying thought to think that it's only in the last 120 years that people said, you know what? Bidets should be in the bathroom. Really, they should. Like, who's... It, it, this was 200 years. Maria Carolina got it right. She had it figured out. She requested one in her bathroom. She was a trendsetter and bidet sitter, but more importantly, she just had some gosh dang common sense. What in the world would you need to put a bidet in the bedroom for? That's laziness. As the bidet makes its way out of the bedroom, we find that we need to leave you ready for part two as we make our way out, well, sort of, of this episode. It's a cliffhanger like that. I'll throw you a bone. Unfortunately, someone crapped their pants real hard in the last few weeks, and so we need to talk about it. We'll come back to the bidet one day, but for now, it's time for Who in the News? This episode's Who in the News is brought to you by literally every online news agency because they've got to have something to talk about. You know they have to. That's the thing. Like, sometimes you get on the news. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip and slurp this hot cocoa. It's so big. Oh, yeah. But this Who in the News is brought to you by literally every online news agency because they all got to have, they, like, at the beginning of this month, September 2023 of our Lord, a Delta Airlines flight was forced to reverse its flight. And by that, I mean they turned around. They didn't fly backwards. Planes don't do that. Although. But they were forced to turn around and head back to Atlanta on their way to Barcelona. The report sent to the ground station was there was a health emergency on board the flight. The flight contained 336 passengers plus staff. And they and they didn't make it far. They left Atlanta and they were forced to about face somewhere over Virginia. The passengers had about an eight-hour delay on the ground in Atlanta and later arrived in Barcelona about eight to ten hours after they were scheduled to have arrived the first time. And and all are just fascinated and abuzz at this, at this health issue, quote-unquote health issue. And it is this. One of the passengers had diarrhea. 
The reports of this diarrhea incident say that the diarrhea had, quote, flowed all the way through the plane, end quote. The pilot described it as a biohazard to air traffic control when asked why they are turning around. Like, I wouldn't even be mad. Like, I, I, I would be pretty frustrated. I have my reason why I'd be frustrated. I would not be frustrated at the actual act of the diarrhea. When you get diarrhea, everybody gets diarrhea. We've all had it. We've all had it this week. And when you get diarrhea, you just have to diarrhea. You can't just not do it. That's why it's diarrhea. Part of diarrhea being diarrhea is that it, it, it demands to make its exit. And they totally just crap stormed this plane. Like up and down the aisle, there is the video that I that you can see. You can't see much of the diarrhea, but you can see that they have laid these like absorbent. It's essentially like a max, a giant maxi pad, but for like turds, wet turds. But they have like jumbo maxi padded the entire like walkway of the aisle of the plane. It's like all the way. It's almost the entire length of the plane. And that's an impressive amount of diarrhea. As, as a man who has produced a significant portion of diarrhea in his life, I'm here to tell you I'm impressed by the amount of diarrhea I see in the video. But the, the person is like getting flack, and there's all sorts of people on the internet like, oh, I'm the diarrhea princess who did this. Also, it's claimed to be a woman. Um, I guess good on you. Uh, but the thing that drives me absolutely bonkers here and I get there's pressures to not miss your flight. But I don't think they were very long into this flight. And unless this diarrhea, it must have come on pretty strong. Because in my experience, when I have diarrhea to this point, I can see it coming from a mile away. Like, I know that we are in diarrhea zone. It's not a surprise. And so I'm sitting here going, why didn't you just, like, get to the gate, say, excuse me, ma'am. I'm here. I have to I have to produce liquid shaz. If I do not produce liquid shaz, I'm going to produce that liquid shaz up and down the aisle of your aeroplane. Would you please hold the gate while I go drop my liquid shaz in the bathroom before boarding this plane? Diarrhea happens, but like just communicate the diarrhea. It's okay. We need to normalize saying, hi, my name's Hunter, and I have diarrhea today. It's okay. It happens to everyone. It's so bad that the plane had to turn around. It's just, it's somewhat impressive, but it's also, I'm sure, frustrating to any of these. This has been another segment of Who in the News? And this brings us to the end of another episode of Privy. Thank you so much for joining us. We're, we love having you. Um, thank you for listening to the show. The show is over 100 episodes in, and, and, and um, yeah, we're, there's still stuff to learn about bathrooms. But if you would, follow us on social media. We're at PrivyCast. And feel free to share the show. Share the show with three people. Word of mouth is huge, but if you can share episodes as they release with folks online, as we grow this community of people who care maybe a little bit too much about bathrooms, that would be super helpful. Leave us a review. The five-star options are preferred, and we will donate a dollar uh, to the Wounded Warriors Project for 
uh, reviews and ratings left there, reminding us to keep pooping in the free world, but that free world was not always free. Spoop key season is coming up. Don't forget, twist season. We want to thank Kevin McLeod and Poddington Bear for the use of their music this week. Thanks, Kevin and Poddington. Email us, privycast at gmail.com. This brings us to the end of another episode of Privy. Thank you so much for joining us. Own your stank. Fart proudly. And now, as always, don't forget to flush. <laughs> <laughs>